1978, when fewer than 1% of American homes had VCRs, 78% of VHS tapes sold were pornographic in nature. <laughs> Radio Drone. I hope you adjusted your tracking for tonight's Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Cecil, what analog channel are you on? Uh, I am on uh, 048. There you go. Peter doesn't get to be analog. He, he's that crappy, like, super beta. Oh, just be sure to be kind and rewind or I'll f***ing kill you. You can't get the stuff on adamandeve.com on VHS anymore, which we'll be talking about later. But if you go to adamandeve.com, you would get 10 free gifts, including six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping, or as we call it, free no Peter shipping, all for <laughs> using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. We're gonna, we're, like I said, we're going to be talking about VHS tonight. This episode actually grew out of our, our, the pre-show conversation that we were having before last week's episode, which you guys didn't get to hear, which actually grew out of a comment I made a couple of weeks ago on the show, where I was talking about how the VCR and VHS opened up entire new worlds to people when it came to movies and entertainment. And I've been seeing more and more people don't seem to remember just how groundbreaking VHS was. Like just this week. Somebody released uh, online an Avengers Age of Ultron trailer as if it had been made in 1995. It's all soft, really soft picture. It's terrible quality. It's terrible mono audio. It's all soft picture. It's kind of insulting. Like, do you, whoever made this, do you actually remember what VHS was like? Because that's not what a good VHS was. Yes, there were crappy VHSs that were soft and, and grainy and whatnot. People, I think, misremember in the digital age just how groundbreaking VHS actually was. What's your earliest memory of VHS? My earliest memory of VHS, my uh, I don't remember how old I was. I just remember uh, my parents had just bought like our first VCR, and it was a huge top loader. And they, they brought it home, and we're all excited. Those you know, top we, loaders always felt so epic, didn't they? Oh, my God. <laughs> dude, the thing was just enormous. Like, there wasn't enough room. On, we had, like, an you know, a, a, like you know, wooden entertainment center. We had to, like, kind of put it under. It was in a really weird place. And, and then, you know, we always had like to pull 80 it. pounds. Oh, dude, it, 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 it dented the wood. It was so freaking heavy. And we had to pull it out every time because it was a top loader. So, you know, anytime you wanted to put a movie in, you had to pull the thing out, lift the top, you know, so. But I remember it was like such an epic thing because like me and uh, my sister, we went with my dad and uh, we went over to the, there was a, a video store and like we opened up an account and we, we were able to rent movies for the first time and it was so exciting. And uh, the first movie we rented was Time Bandits. <laughs> it's a good movie. Uh, nice. It, it, well, you know what? It's a good movie, but as I don't remember, uh, I want to say 
for a uh, for a, a younger kid, that kind of humor was completely lost on me. So I'm like watching <laughs> it, you know, all excited, and I'm like, I don't understand what any of this is. I mean, I've seen it since, and I'm like, uh, you know, I got it, you know, when I got older. But uh, seeing it as a kid, all excited, I was just like, I I I, I don't get any of this. I don't. Remember, <laughs> I know we rented two movies. I don't remember what the second one was, but I just remember how awesome that was to, you know, go out and be able to rent movies and uh, watch them at home on a freaking 19 inch color TV. Well, Peter, you're being slightly younger than Cecil and I. You're going to be moving later into the 80s. But what's your first memory of VHS or or VCR? You might have been a beta man. Well, it was the it was the mid 90s. Family had just recently moved over from Serbia to Canada. Uh, We were getting all sorts of stuff that uh, my folks weren't able to get back over there. Got a, We got a VCR, and uh, one of the first movies that we got was the special edition of Terminator 2 that came with Terminator 1. Was this that two-tape set that had that hologram on the box cover? I believe so. That's what I remember. I it. had that one, too, yeah. It, oh, had a, wow. it had a trailer for uh, Stargate at the beginning of, I think, both of them. I remember watching that and loving it, and uh, I think I'd, I'd seen... Other VHSs before, I remember I had a friend that had whose uh, mother had a huge VHS collection, and that was the first time I had seen a, a box art for a Friday the 13th movie. But to me, the biggest memory is just seeing Terminator 2 for the first time and Terminator 1 and just being blown away by how awesome it is and pretty much just eventually wearing out that tape because I just I would watch the shit out of it. Mine, since I'm older than both of you, we got our first VCR. I remember the first movie we ever rented was Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. But the night we got the VCR, Beastmaster had just debuted that night on HBO. So awesome. It's, it's, so we taped Beastmaster off of HBO that night. I also remember taping Dune when that appeared on HBO for the first time as well. I think people, especially younger people, they don't remember just how revolutionary this was, both in culture and in being able to time shift TV shows or be able to watch movies on your schedule. Prior to this, if you wanted to watch an old movie, you did have the old 16 millimeter reels that you could get or the 8 millimeter mini reels of like the old Universal films and whatnot, but th- those were very limited. You would have to scan the TV guide, hope that your whatever movie you were looking for is popping up on TV. Because movie re-releases in theaters were very rare. Not counting mm. 42nd Street, which would run, you know, the howling for six months straight. <laughs> a, a movie re-release was, was relatively rare. So you'd have to find these movies on TV. HBO is in its infancy and not even running 24 hours a day at this point. HBO only ran 16 hours a day and went off the air for mm. eight hours. So... If you saw these movies at all, you were seeing them on commercial TV. It was so revolutionary. In 1977, the VCR actually goes back back to the 60s, but that's for broadcast use. The home yeah. version debuted in 1977 and retailed for $1,800. Put wow. that in 1977 dollars, by the way, too. Oof. You have to take out a second mortgage to buy a VCR at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, I, hell, I remember one of the comments my dad said when he bought our first one. This thing cost more than you, and I will make you pay for it if you break it. <laughs> what this allowed people to do was you didn't have to watch the TV, that your, your favorite TV shows, when they were scheduled. You didn't have to make sure you were home on Friday night early from bowling 
to be able to check out Hill Street Blues. Your, your wife didn't have to stay home to watch All My Children. You could record these things and watch them whenever you wanted. And then you had the freedom of, of the movies. Initially, they, you couldn't even rent these initially. Initially, they were for sale only. It, it's, it's so funny. 20th Century Fox didn't even know what they had when they first licensed out their movies. A little-known company called Magnetic Video licensed for only about $1,000 a piece 20 films from 20th Century Fox in 1977. Now, at this point, 20th Century Fox was having a really bad decade. Despite Star Wars being a hit for them, they just had one dud after another. So they mm. thought it's just kind of found money. Nobody's going to, you know, we'll license it to this guy. He's not going to do anything with it. The very first three VHSs that came out, they all came out the same day, so you can't pick one over the other, were The Sound of Music, Patton, and MASH at a mm. $70 price tag in 1977 dollars. He sold wow. 10,000 units the first week. That is nice. how revolutionary this was. Do you think that the public and the studios were totally unprepared for what VHS was was opening up to them in 77? Oh, totally. It was a total changing of the tides. It was it was giving people a, a newfound freedom that they never had before, a, a newfound access to everything that they that they want to watch and just pretty much giving at that time, like I know that the that things have progressed to such a ridiculous level at this point, but back then it was really just having, you know, everything that you wanted to watch pretty much at your fingertips. Like it's it's amazing. It was an amazing leap in the progression of technology. Actually, you didn't have everything you wanted at your fingertips, though, because but it felt like that. I'm sure people kind of felt like that's what they had. Oh, yeah, it, it, because when the home video market started to kick off, None of the major studios, not Coney 20th Century Fox, because to, to them, this was a blunder. They mm. saw how much magnetic video was selling. They tried to renegotiate the terms on the 20 movies they sold him. He said no. Mm. So they came up with a novel approach. They bought mm. magnetic video from him. The major studios did not want to get into home video. They thought if they put their movies out on home video, that'll hurt future TV sales, selling it to, mm. you know, the Sunday night movie on NBC and whatnot. So it was mainly the independents who, who were the first jumpers on to home video. Is that not the way it usually goes, that the big boys are afraid of every new new leap in technology and it has to be proven by the people that have everything to lose first? Oh, absolutely. They're they're constantly doing that. It's like they'll fight a new technology tooth and nail. You know, oh, you know, th this is going to put X is going to put Y out of business. Oh, my God, we have to stop it. And they spend all this money trying to, like, slow it down or stop it or buy it or do whatever. It comes out and it does nothing but help them. And and, and just then but yet they still will continue to fight it until finally they realize that, oh, this is beneficial to our, our uh, bottom line. All right, well, we're going to support it. And then right around the time that they start to support it, the next thing comes along. We have to stop this now. You know, it's going to put all of us out of business. And I mean, I'm sure you could go and list all the different quotes. VHS is going to put this out of business. DVDs are going to put this out of business. Blu-ray is going to put this. Streaming is going to put this out of business. Every new thing that has to do with getting media to the public to consume is going to put something else out of business and it <laughs> never does it it puts the other thing out of business because the new thing is better and they make more money 
you you also have to look at the fact that that with all the independents out there, there was one other major factor in home video in home video success in these early days: pornography. Do you <laughs> think do you think most people were going out of their way to spend seventy dollars on Patton, The Sound of Music, or Mash, or were they going to go out of their way for Debbie Does Dallas, The Devil, and Miss Jones, and Deep Throat? Now you can jerk off in the privacy of your own home instead of having to go to some sleazy movie theater or finding some 16 millimeter reel you got to hide from your wife when the uh, the HD wars was going on when it was HD DVD and Blu-ray I know we're going way that's you know, way in the into future. the future yeah but but I mean similar thing HD DVD said we're gonna carry porn and Blu-ray drew a line in the sand that said absolutely no we are not gonna carry porn I was like all right Blu-ray just lost and they were... <laughs> you would think they would have learned because that's the exact same thing that happened with beta versus VHS. Right. Because VHS at this point was made exclusively by JVC and beta was made exclusively by Sony. Sony said we will not allow porn on our on our system. VHS said we will. I'm going to quote here from a Christian author named Luke Gilkerson. The history of the VCR is directly linked to the history of pornography. In 1978, when fewer than 1% of American homes had VCRs, 78% of VHS tapes sold were pornographic in nature. <laughs> what does that tell you? There's a demand for this stuff. Sony eventually acquiesced, but it was too late at that point. Blu-ray was the first time Sony had ever won a format war. They had lost every single time because they always put out their their thing and for whatever reason you know vhs had had porn um cds were cheaper to press they had every and then finally with blu-ray they were getting ready to lose and then they paid uh warner brothers a ridiculous amount of money to go with them instead of with hd dvd and then mm -hmm. other studios followed suit and then shortly thereafter hd dvd went out kind of a bummer but uh you know because sony really at the time wanted to keep Blu-ray prices up like 40 bucks for a freaking movie and all that. And, you know, oh, it wasn't man. until recently where Blu-rays are finally like really worth it. That even goes back to the old days, too. The, the, head, of, the head of Universal at the time, this is like 1984, 1985, he said that the reason that Universal was one of the last majors to enter the VHS market was he didn't like the idea of you being able to pay once and watch a movie a hundred times. He said, and I quote, if you want to watch Jaws, you should have to pay every time you watch it. Wow. And that's the, that was the prevailing attitude that Universal had. That Universal was like, people pay $70 and they can show all of their friends and they can watch the movie th a thousand times? No, they should have to pay us every time they want to watch our, our movie. But at this time, you had Lloyd Kaufman coming in and saying, you know what? I will fill that void. He may have his detractors. But the true visionary in this area that was Charles Band. He he formed Mita Home Entertainment. Mita was in, his wife was named Mita Band. It was named for his wife. That later became Media Home Entertainment, and then later and then he when he sold that it became Wizard Video. He mm. was the first person to say people want to own a movie and they don't want it to be you know like a seventy dollar price tag. He was the first one that said. People are going to want to buy these movies. Let's price them to sell. So while the 20th Century Fox package under Magnetic Video is 70 80 bucks a piece, I know it's still a lot of money, but Wizard Video 
is selling their movies for $30 a piece. Yes, mm. you've got a technically lower quality movie. You've got Oasis of the Zombies and Robot Holocaust and Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus <laughs> MASH and Star Wars, but you could own this reasonably. You couldn't reasonably buy Superman for $80. Charles Band yeah. was, a, was a true visionary in this area, and he got squashed because... Once he started making all of these inroads, then Warner Brothers and MGM and all that saw it. They were able to do it cheaper, faster, and on a larger scale, and Wizard was eventually just crushed. It's, it's sad how the people who start it always lose. They tried again with uh, Divix. If you remember Divix in the late, actually probably mid- early 2000s, I think. Mid, yeah, uh, late 90s. Or, that's right, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, where you had to hook, you, you'd buy a Divix player and then buy a Divix movie, and you had to hook the Divix player up to your up to the internet, and then it would like you'd start playing a movie and it would send out a signal, and basically it would be like, okay, well now that disc that you have has been used and it won't play again unless you like option to like pay for the pay the full price again and oh, i'm like wow. people are buying this shit like they, they wow. actually that actually wasn't new though cuz there was a, a short a short lived format called cartravision that thought they would be, compete with vhs back in the early 80s cartravision was it was cheaper it it, it was more attractive to the audience the tapes were manufactured in such a way that you couldn't rewind it. So you had to take it back to a licensed dealer and pay a rewind fee to watch the movie that you bought. Oh, oh my sucks. God. <laughs> so, so the DivX thing was just a variation on Cartrovision, really. Mm. Right. That's, I know it's, it's, it, I knew it was nothing new, but it's still it's just it's a new way of them trying to figure out a way to screw people over. To yeah, screw it's over really sketchy. Case. And then by 1984, that's the real year that VHS broke into the mainstream. It is estimated that, you got to remember, this is 1984 dollars, $700 million were spent in 1984 alone renting movies. That's an astronomical number. Panasonic mm -hmm. in 1984 literally could not make VCRs fast enough. They said <laughs> for every 1,000 VCRs they manufactured, they had an order for 1,200. They literally could not make VCRs fast enough to keep up with the demand. I mean, yeah. hell, it got so insane that when Flashdance came out on VHS, it sold 300,000 copies in eight days. Wow. Wow. You're never going to get that on a, DV on a DVD. You're never going to get that on a streaming. Like when Daredevil... Mm comes out on Netflix, you're never going to get 300,000 people watching that in eight days. VHS, it changed the entire industry. At first, it was, you had people like Lloyd Kaufman and Charles Band releasing older movies, and then you had the studios releasing their back catalogs. But then you had the real sea change, direct to video. Charles Band, again, he's not quite in full moon at this point. This is the tail end of, um, of Empire. He said, the theatrical distribution is dying. The drive-in theaters are dying. 42nd Street is on its way to being cleaned up. Let's make movies specifically for the home video market. And again, the major studios didn't want to get involved because it would hurt our theater sales. And again, they fought it. Are you noticing a pattern here? When they started making direct-to-video movies, at least for people like us, fans of horror, sci-fi, exploitation, that 
utterly changed the industry, both mm -hmm. for the positive and the negative. Well, there were so many, when it comes to the direct-to-video stuff, I mean, of course, there's a lot of crap, but at the same time, people making them had a lot more freedom. There were definitely movies that were a lot more exploitive, um, a little more exciting, a little more kind of dangerous, I guess. Uh, and, and, you, and you could just discover so many other things. Like if, if what's coming out in theaters, like the, the theatrical releases are kind of boring you and you're not really into, into that. You can just, you know, pop into a video store and just, you can, I mean, I remember like the, the video stores I would go into back when they were a hell of a lot more prominent in the, in the nineties and the earlier two thousands, I, I would just go in and browse for hours just through the horror section through the action section and a lot of the things that i would rent would just be random straight to video releases and um a lot of the times i found them to be better than what was coming out theatrically like a, a movie that i rented the absolute hell out of when i was younger was the guyver 2 dark hero sequel to the live action guyver movie and uh, i loved it because it was just this great sci-fi horror creature feature bio armor super violent thing and it, it just blew me away because there was nothing like that playing in theaters like i found it to be so much more cooler than stuff you could see that, that was coming out theatrically like uh i love it i love the whole straight to video thing because it gives you so much more variety as things were being made direct to video charles band being the kind of shyster salesman that he always you know the, the kind of sh shyster carnival barker that he is always so great at <laughs> came up with the amazing way to sell these movies too gory for the silver screen remember that <laughs> yeah uh, like, like mutant hunt which is just a, a forgettable direct-to-video movie with that fantastic cover art and that too uh, gory for the silver screen sticker that, right on the cover. I, I remember being so excited to rent Mutant Hunt because he's it's it's the dude and he's got the really long arm and he's holding the dude up in the air. And it's like and a then, destroyed city in the background. Ah, uh, because, you know, post-apocalypse, you know, yes. And then it's just a bunch of, like, kind of dude bros wearing like sunglasses <laughs> like yelling at each other i'm like oh <laughs> the cover lied to me <laughs> damn it which which was something that i kind of missed because back then the cover was really you know you, you didn't have the internet you didn't have most of these films if you saw a trailer for them it was on a tape for another movie from the same company yeah really the cover art was all you had and you could you you could usually tell if the cover art was going to be lying to you. There were no photos on the back of the box. Mm -hmm. That was always very telling as well. I get people telling me that like go going through Netflix and looking through the covers on that is the same as us going through the video store back in the 80s and 90s. And I say no, it's, it's so not. Hot. It is no. no. It's so absolutely not. The the cover art was so bombastic and boisterous. Yeah. That the cover art could rarely, if ever, live up to the movie. And yeah. we didn't mind, strangely enough, was, you know? I would honestly go to video stores even sometimes without the intent of even renting anything. I mean, if I didn't have money, I would just go there to kill time sometimes, like just to look at, to discover new movies, to look at random covers, to sort of pick out what I was going to rent next just solely based on how ridiculous the cover was. I mean, that was, you know, that, that was the reason why I, I rented Toxic Avenger for the first time and uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie and, and movies like that. Like, it, it just gives you all these great options. And Netflix is nothing like that. When you're browsing through movies on Netflix, it's just all it shows is like a screen cap from the movie. Like, it's not it's it's nowhere near the same amount of fun 
that you can have in like like a mom and pop video store. It no, it's not the same as going to the movie theater or going to uh, the the video store and walking through the aisles and stuff. Uh, you know, you're trading that experience for the convenience of hey, it's three in the morning. I'm laying in bed and I can't sleep. I'm gonna look through Netflix and you know watch you know find a movie to watch. Do you think that that people, especially younger people, but surprisingly enough, a large amount of people who grew up in this era this, that are the same ages as we are. They're, they're misremembering what VHS was and how revolutionary it was. But like that Avengers Age of Ultron trailer, or, or somebody did a Game of Thrones, if Game of Thrones had been around in the 90s. And again, all really soft video and mono sound. And it's like, you don't really remember VHS if that's what you think VHS was. That And that one was totally inaccurate, too, the Game of Thrones one. Like, um, they're, they're kind of, like, I, I love synth synth wave music and stuff but that wasn't the only way to make music back then like that game of thrones one had like the crappy soft focus and like weird lasery synth music it's like do these people not remember like conan the barbarian and shit like that movie didn't or the scores of stuff like that of like fantasy movies they they were kind of known to have like very you know grand scale orchestral scores it wasn't always just i'm sure jerry goldsmith and john williams are a little insulted yeah exactly Mm -hmm. there seems to be a a weird wave of nostalgia for vhs at the same time the people who are nostalgia for it don't seem to be remembering it correctly it's not that they're like not remembering it correctly i think that like a lot of them probably weren't around when it was around and are slapping these things together what they've heard or what they have seen from other places so it's like they're they're throwing together tropes oh well i watched i watched escape from new york on uh dvd and that must be how all 80s movies were um but (laughs) it was on vhs so let's go in and uh you know add some uh you know add some blur and then maybe make it four by three and then add some scratches and stuff meanwhile they they don't know what it is because they don't have they don't have a a vhs player to like throw in a vhs and like reference it yeah because i mean i've watched some vhs tapes that are were really clear like the one that i mentioned the the two-pack for terminator that i had they looked great they were widescreen they were really polished up there, I mean, there's obviously a difference between that and DVD, but it still looked awesome. It didn't, it wasn't four by three. It wasn't all scratchy and grainy. Like people are kind of mistaking VHS, which you could totally get, you know, special editions and good quality stuff to video uh, exploitation kind of stuff, which would have the scratches and stuff because it just didn't get a good release. But I mean, you know, just like how there are DVDs that cram way too much on to a disc and they get pixelized. You, you yeah. had you had the VHS purveyors who you know would put a movie on SLP speed on a low quality tape. I'm not saying that the soft picture and that never happened, but I'm saying that seems to be the characterization that all VHS has in the digital yeah. era is bad quality, bad sound, full frame, kind of this attitude of how did movie how did people actually watch movies like this? That's the attitude I get from these people who only because you got to remember DVD. It existed technically prior to this, but didn't really come out till 1997. To mm. people who were born after DVD existed, they seem to not understand that <laughs> until that point, the only thing even close to that was Laserdisc, 
Laserdisc was kind of a collector's format, so it wasn't, wasn't as popular as, as DVD is, but they don't seem to remember that VHS is not that different from especially the early DVDs. Go and look at the first release of Seven or The Exorcist or Twister and compare those with, their, with the VHS tapes that were out at the time. Mm-hmm. Other than the DVDs being widescreen, I defy you to tell me that, that the VHSs are worse qua- video and audio quality. Millennials. <laughs> but I also see, like, in these documentaries, like, Rewind This and Adjust Your Tracking, it's full of people who might have been around back then, but they still kind of have this tongue-in-cheek, yeah, VHS sucks, and that's kind of why I like it attitude, Ugh. which I can't oh, stand God. that. Yeah, just, that's just, oh. oh, Jesus. They're really missing the point. They're not, th- th- it was... You know, it was the thing that people were using before what we're using now, and there were still great quality versions of tapes. It all it all depended on the actual distribution. Okay, if you were to rent a straight-to-video movie or just a cheaper release of something, or if it was just a straight-up an old tape or something, if you were to watch a VHS of, say, Stargate compared to a VHS of Toxic Avenger, Toxic Avenger is going to look like shit. It's going to look scratchy. It's going to look really fuzzy and and whatnot, and there's going to be tracking. But if you watch Stargate, which was released like very legitimately and with high quality, and they actually paid to get it distributed properly, it's going to look just as clear as any given early DVD. Like, it's not going to look bad. It might not be widescreen, as you said, but it's not going to be all fuzzy and tracking and and look like shit. That's not what VHS was. This really is just people kind of... Oh, it's so bad, and it's why it's good, and it's why I like it. Like, you don't know sh- Shut up. Well, because, but you got to realize that people dismiss VHS nowadays. I mean, people people are throwing them away. In Canada, Peter, in Canada, there is a movement going on right now to, quote, recycle all VHS tapes because they're just taking up space. People are dropping of off all of their VHS tapes so they can be broken down into their component parts and recycled. Do you realize how many movies do not have a digital counterpart are most likely going to be lost in this? Oh, God, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because it is estimated right now that less than 50% of all movies ever released on VHS have a legitimate digital counterpart. Less than 50% have a digital counterpart. Yeah. And yet everyone dismisses these movies. Slight plug. In this month's Fangoria, I have an article about the top 10 horror movies you can only find on VHS. Movies mm-hmm. that have no digital counterpart and due to rights issues probably never will. Are we supposed to just forget those because they they aren't on Netflix because they aren't on DVD? There are a yes. lot of people who would argue that a lot of the movies they're they're going to come at it from the angle of, well, all the movies that were worth saving are the ones that made the transition Mm. you know and it's like well who are you to judge like what's worth it and what's not worth it there are a lot of movies such a shitty elitist attitude and i can't stand it yeah oh well you know uh, it's probably some piece of crap that nobody wants to watch except for the people who made it or something and it's like no asshole like there's probably so many movies are genuinely good that just you know fell under the radar or the rights slipped or something or other and they weren't able to get them transferred over to from VHS to DVD and yeah. 
you know, they, they're they're not going to exist now. A lot, you know? a lot of these are rights quagmires too. A right. lot of the That's ones that are probably stu- the majority of it. Yeah, a lot of them are stuck in nine different companies saying, "I own that." But then, I mean, the, I mean we gotta, we really gotta say thanks to to companies like like Scream Factory and like Vinegar Vinegar Syndrome and stuff like that that are that are actually trying to you know to give these movies a proper release and to clean them up and and to give them their you know their their due their 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 DVD and their Blu-ray releases and their streams. So and especially now with with people wanting to get rid of VHSs, like hopefully I don't want that to happen. And hopefully the companies that are distributing these lost movies get their hands on as many as they can before too many of these VHSs are lost. I, I, wor- I worked with this little ginger faggot back when I worked in TV who was young, <laughs> who, who was younger than me. He, he did grow up in the VHS era. I don't remember what movie it was, but he hated VHS so much. He, he was talking about, you know, he wanted to see some movie again from his childhood. And I said, and he was bitching he couldn't find it on DVD. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, I said, I've got that on VHS. He, and he told me point blank, and I quote, I'd rather not watch it than watch it on VHS. What a loser. And there was, yeah. such, there was such venom in his voice towards VHS. You were like 10 years old when VHS finally lost the wars. What... How can you hate that format so much? Because yeah, it's mm. cool to you know hate something that is is old and uncool and lame. Yeah, but in a in a weird way, VHS is making a strange comeback, almost in a hipster sort of way. The the same bit, way the, yeah. the, the, the same the same way vinyl made a comeback. VHS is there are companies now putting out new VHS tapes. Full Moon, Trauma. They're 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 putting out their classic movies on videotape again. I think overpriced. Mm-hmm. I mean, thirty dollars <laughs> for a VHS tape in this era? No, I think yeah, I think you're a little overpriced. But the idea is right. <laughs> House yeah. of the Devil had a VHS release. There mm-hmm. have been limited VHS releases of Fantastic Planet and Five 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 and other movies. VHS has this weird. It has a weird cachet now. Yet yeah. at the at the same time, it's still thought of as worthless. I recently mm. bought for $25 here in town 890 VHS tapes from a lady. And mm. of those, I'm just going to round to 900 tapes. I kept almost 150 of those for my own self. Nice. That, that weren't even like, yeah, there was, you know, there was Air Force One and the Matrix and Hope Floats, crap like that. But there was also Gargoyles and Southern Comfort. These people must have been huge Charles Bronson fans. Almost the entire <laughs> Charles Bronson library I now have on VHS, thanks nice. to these people. And people are just essentially giving these away. Goodwill won't even take VHSs anymore. Mm. They just throw them right in the dumpster. It, it's it's going to be harder and harder to find nice VHS tapes in the wild. Yeah, I, I think that it's something that's kind of happening, much like what you said, like vinyl. I kind of... Um... I kind of disagree on the vinyl thing like like VHS I think it is like something that's worthwhile whereas vinyl I think is garbage and uh, <laughs> like uh, I just get annoyed with because I have a friend of mine who he's all no man listen to how warm it sounds I'm like it sounds like garbage you know you're I'm like it's not warm that's oh the tones I'm like shut up well, I mean, at the time, it was fantastic. But I mean, to to not have to, you know, worry about you hit a bump and then uh, your freaking car stereo decides to eat your uh, cassette tape. Um, yeah. Okay, I don't you know, know what kind of cassette player you ever had, 
I have I never had, encountered I had, that. All right, maybe I shouldn't have bought my cassette, my uh, my car radio from Radio Shack. I still have <laughs> hundreds of my old metal and punk cassettes, and I still listen to them. No, dude, I as like CDs were were huge for me, and then uh, on on that too, uh, MP3s and uh, you know like FLAC, uh, you know uh, like just just fully uh, unencoded because now you know you've got MP. When MP3 first player when bleh, I can't talk. When MP3 players first came out, you really didn't have that much space, so compressing the audio down was normal. But now that you've got these massive hard drives in your MP3 players or in your freaking phone, you can put like full uncompressed albums on there and yeah. listen to them in like really beautiful fidelity and great clarity, and it's just as good as you know the, the like master recording so not, not necessarily there, there's been a big movement away from that where especially when it comes i mean maybe new stuff might be you know absolutely what you're talking about but when you're talking about catalog titles especially like metal and rock they take out a lot of the bass some of the old like you know john fogarty and that when they digitized the ccr catalog to cd Mm-hmm. It had like this metallic twinge to it that he's like, no, that might technically be more accurate. That's not the way we wanted it to sound. You're making it sound cleaner than it ever should have been. It's kind of the same thing with with like a Blu-ray and Star Trek episodes. Deep Space Nine on Blu-ray looks horrendous. You can see all of the makeup lines. You can see the seams on the sets, stuff that was always meant to be hidden by video noise. It's no mm-hmm. longer there. So yes, it might technically be a cleaner picture or cleaner sound, but it's also wrecking the original intent. Recently, when when I did um, Sleepaway Camp, I know uh, exactly you, what he's talking about. Though, like you can you, you can, can tell see who the killer is, but it's yeah. not it's not the killer. <laughs> it's supposed to be in shadow, it's but you can to see be the in actor's shadow, face. Yeah, they clean they clean the footage up just a little too much, and yeah. so you can because I'm like, wow, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, in that case, things can get cleaned up too much, but um, to the detriment of of the film. As far as like audio is concerned, it's like okay, well, you're hearing what you would hurt. You know, like you're you're hearing what the audio should have sounded like in the first place. So like now, I mean, you're you're hearing a more accurate, you know. Uh, an accurate representation of what the music was supposed to sound like, what it sounded like in the studio, as opposed to, you know, how you remember it. So it's kind of a weird thing because I know I'm I'm fussy with that too. Like I have a really weird ear where if something You are like, such a uh, parent. I have never heard anyone who's not a parent use the term fussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been using it a lot more lately because I have I have somebody who is very fussy. We have we have a, a radio station around here called Q102 and they play like a lot of dance music and stuff. When we were first dating, you know, we would go for a drive and she'd have Q102 on and I'm like, they're playing the music faster. And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "You you can't hear that they sound like the fucking chipmunks." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And like they and you and you go and you find out you know that that a lot, you know certain radio stations will play the music five percent faster or whatever, so they can cram more commercials in. TV stations, uh, uh, TV, TV land stations, got caught yeah, they doing did that, that too. With, uh, with, with Seinfeld. No, yeah. they did it even long before that with Miami Vice and the A Team in the early nineties. Oh, oh wow! To show you what a nerd I am, the very first CD I ever bought was the soundtrack to Akira. Nice. <laughs> 
That is that's how a big of a soundtrack. that's how big of a damn nerd I am. What do you think VHS's future is? Because I don't think it's ever going to make a comeback, but it's always going to be like an underground movement. Do you think that the VHS collectors out there, do, do you think that they've hit their peak? That a movie like Tales of the Quad Dead Zone going for $1,000 on eBay or the original Mita release of Halloween recently going for $1,500 on eBay. Do you think those are, or are abnormalities? Or do you think this is going to become a full-blown collector's market like comic books or anything like that? Like people are always going to be looking for, for, for that rare Continental Home video double release or something like that. Or do you think that as these movies come out on DVD and Blu-ray and streaming, the VHS market will strictly become a collector's market instead of a casual market? I think uh, a collector's market is, is where it's... Uh... It's heading towards it's it's almost becoming like like a vinyl kind of thing as the years go by like when you have rare things that don't have dvd releases or that are like a, a special release or like a rare release they they end up becoming high collector's items and selling for quite a bit and you have people collecting them and it's becoming like a very nostalgic thing maybe for the wrong reason for certain people like people who say they like it because it's so stupid that it's great or whatever me personally, I think the VHS is great because if you think about it, it's a hell of a lot more durable than a DVD is. Even if the quality isn't as good, a VHS um, lasts a hell of a lot longer than a CD does. Like I've had, um, I've had VHS tapes that I can still play, and DVDs that stop working within like two years. You can tell a durable ass VHS tape. Go pick up an '80s VHS tape. Those things yeah. weigh like what a pound and a half. <laughs> exactly. Like they're not only like built durably, but they'll last. They'll last you. Like they, you're, you're, they're not just going to stop working because of a little scratch or a smudge. And I think that's what's so what's so great about them. It, it may be a bit in, inferior in quality, but I think they're they're still great. They still deserve a place, even just as collectors' items. Like with certain um, movies doing, uh, like you know, like Toxic Toxic Avenger getting a VHS release, like House of the Devil getting a VHS release. VHS and the whole VCR culture is uh is special. It's special to me. I grew up with it. My family got a a bunch of of VHS tapes over the years, uh, both in you know recording with VCRs or with buying them. And I truly do miss the the video store culture. And every time I I see a video store that's still around, I I pop in just to just to look around, check it out, and. Look at all the all the different. Um, I mean, obviously it's DVD at this point, but still to look at the covers because I I consider that to be part of of um of VHS culture just because that's what I remember from when I was a kid and I I definitely I consider it important in a nostalgic way in terms of actually remembering it fondly and not just looking at it as a as a dumb old thing. I think VHSs are awesome and um. I love that certain movies are getting VHS releases and that people are respecting it and, and giving it the the due that it deserves because because they're great. I think as far as the mainstream is concerned, like uh, you know VHS is is a big joke and it's stupid. And, but I mean, how many things you know are you know uh, I mean how many people are growing up now that are you know have no idea what a VHS? I mean, there's that there's that series on YouTube where they're like. Uh, showing VHSs to, you know, what, what's a 10-year-old think of a VHS? What, you know, like, like, or no, the React, that's what it is. You know, 10-year-olds react to, and they show them some old technology, and they're just, like, baffled by it. 
don't you see sort of an a condescending attitude for like that that Age of Ultron trailer as if it were 1995 or the Game of Thrones open or something like somebody did a Walking Dead one if it were made in the 90s and again soft video and everything is that well, not kind of a condescending look at the format? Well, no, it's I an, actually it's, saw a, not to interrupt, but I saw a really cool one of those actually because one that those ones that you mentioned are sort of condescending in a way where they're they're trying to depict VHS to what they think it was really like. Whereas I saw one, and uh, I know Josh didn't like Winter Soldier, but I know I, I know Cecil did. Cecil and I both. I, I know that. what video you're talking about. Yeah, somebody did like too. a yeah. Canon a Canon Films releasing version of Winter Soldier splicing in different 80s movies. And I liked that that one had kind of the the grainy feel to it with the synth music because they were actually going for the canon aesthetic, like kind of cheesy and over-the-top and exploitive, which I think in that sense it's respecting it a lot more than, you know, the ones that are just kind of cheaply doing, oh, okay, well, Game of Thrones is, uh, is popular. We'll do that one like a VHS and Walking Dead and... The Avengers Age of Ultron one, and they're just kind of doing like a cheap depiction of VHS. Whereas I kind of dig it when they do it in terms of it looks cheap because hey, look what's showing up at the at the beginning of this video, this fake trailer. It's the Canon logo, so it it kind of makes sense. It kind of it kind of lets you know that this person actually did their research and actually has actually is a fan of this kind of stuff and and kind of knows what they're actually editing. So I think there's a difference. The last commercially released VHS tape, not counting like the Toxic Avenger and House of the Devil, and I mean mass market in America, was 2004 as a history of violence. It's been 11 years since then. Do you think that in the time from 2004 to now that things have gotten worse for VHS? Because I remember when that happened, VHS was being shit on constantly because of how DVD was trouncing it. I think people are starting to now remember more their positive VHS memories as well. But I think those are different people than the ones who are, oh, VHS was crap quality. Do you think there's a weird divide in the v- in VHS memories? In general, uh, there are a lot of people that are nostalgic for it, and then there's other people that just are, are much happier with uh you know, uh, DVD and, and Blu-ray and stuff. I will say uh, one thing I was thinking about while we were going over all this, where you said that, you know, 50% of movies have not made over the transition. Over 50%. Over 50%. Beyond that, and these probably weren't even factored into that, how many thousands of pornos uh, did <laughs> never made the transition? Not just that, but all those weird videos, how to bass fish, I, I recently had one about video games starring Robert Zadar as what? an intergalactic space captain giving kids <laughs> tips on Nintendo games. That's amazing. Like what? that's ever gonna get like that is ever gonna get a DVD release? We wish you a turtle Christmas. We'll never get a DVD release. <laughs> Probably so not. No. Not even counting movies and, and pornos. There's all of these weird how-tos and all that, and weird specials like like the Hard and Heavy video magazines. Oh, due to all I the music, Hard and Heavy. Due to all the you Hard and Heavy those? and Metalhead Impact video oh, magazine, Gorgon Home Video magazine, all, all that stuff, due to rights issues, is never going to come out on DVD. No. Because yeah. Like so, because they they would play full music videos and just concert uh, footage. Concert and... footage, yeah. Getting the rights for that would just be nightmarish. And goddamn, I was actually uh, a couple weeks ago. I was you know fumbling around on YouTube, 
and I found somebody had uploaded the very first Hard and Heavy. I and have I all twelve. Like, vo- I have all twelve volumes. I need them. <laughs> Does it surprise <laughs> you that I have all twelve? No, no, I was hoping that you would, and I'm glad that you do. Because my God, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I I have to show this to my wife. This is awesome. Like she, because because they went into uh, you know interviewing Bruce Dickinson where they were playing uh, Can I Play with Madness? I remember the the really kickass bumpers. I remember the really kick-ass Henry Rollins interview where he was basically talking about, I, I, I grew up looking forward to Van Halen and Ted Nugent. I can't imagine <laughs> what kids are like today looking forward to Winger. <laughs> Biohazard and just so many, like, just... Guar. Uh, guar. They did, I remember, yeah, they did I a remember bunch one of them had Guar on it. Bad Brains. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they I had, mean, they had, Skid, they had uh, Skid Row where uh, Sebastian Bach had to apologize Oh, for, for his he, uh, AIDS for the, the kills, AIDS kills fags dead. dead shirt. Oh God! He, he you don't totally. Remember, you don't remember that one, Peter? Yeah, he wore a T-shirt that said "AIDS kills fags dead." And he, the, the beauty <laughs> of it was that you could tell that he didn't really want to apologize, but was being forced into it. People forget just how how liberating that 240 lines of resolution and magnetic tape really was. And I think they are, the VHS is looked at today in a condescending way. Maybe that's just the way I'm taking it. I think people need to remember where their history comes from. And they wouldn't have DVD, they wouldn't have Blu-ray if it wasn't for VHS, if it wasn't for Laserdisc. Your final thoughts on VHS. I love it. I think it's an important part of uh, history, not only in um, just me remembering it fondly, but in film distribution, in uh, giving many more people access, uh, the whole home video thing, the home video boom, uh, the the straight-to-video market, giving us more than just what we would be forced to go see in theaters. I think it's it's just something that really changed a lot of things for the better and really paved the way for for so many great things that uh, I'm into and, and will always be into. I love VHS, and I always will. Without the home video market, nobody would know who Don the Dragon Wilson is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, VHS was uh, a large part of uh, my movie watching in the uh, in the late '80s or in the early, you know '90s. Just so many great direct-to-video movies. Uh, all you know, the Empire Picture stuff, the Full Moon stuff. Just that would not have existed if not for VHS and for the for the Corman and the. Um, the bands of the world to really fill that void while the, the, uh, you know, the triple a theater, you know, uh, movie companies were trying to figure the whole thing out. They were there. Hey, you know, watch seed people, watch puppet master. What, you know? And so I might not be as into B movies and stuff as I am now, if not for that era of, uh, VHS. VHS needs to be more fondly remembered. Even if you don't like it, or even if you don't remember this era, you can't forget that this was the first stepping stone. Probably the only home video format that's going to have lasted, think about it, from 1977 to 2004. DVD is already on its way out. You think Blu-ray is going to last? Come on. VHS (laughs) is the longest-lasting home video format ever, and it probably will be. If people can't get their tracking to work, how can they contact Peter? You can contact me on Twitter at Cinematica, Facebook, The Cinemasochist, YouTube, The Cinemasochist, 
And once that tracking is uh, finally figured out and cleared up, uh, you'll most likely be seeing me on 1201beyond.com with uh, with some t-shirts and whatnot. You don't get to get onto the site until we re- until we relaunch, so I don't know what the date of that is yeah. yet. So that'll that's code for tracking. I don't know. Yeah, Cecil, the tape snapped and you had to splice it back together. Where could people find you? People can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. Uh, you can find me on the YouTubes and on the Twitters. I am out and about on the interwebs, so all over the place. And I've had the I, I have had the tab broken off, so you can actually record on this tape at 1201beyond at gmail.com is where you can contact me. The website is 1201beyond.com. So have a good night, guys. Go back and have a little analog, a little love for the analog format. It's some very high concept, lo-fi, and you'll love it.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.